I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I need you to not critique me today on a theological sermon because I'm not preaching today. I'm just going to deliver a word to those that are in the room today. It started last night. It may have seemed like preaching last night, but I promise you it's part of a prophetic word for this house. Those that are a part of our Father's house and those of you that are here, I need you to listen carefully because you're coming into a new season that God has ordained for you. Some of you have been in a tremendous season of dying. You have been in a, a season of difficult transition. It's been a wilderness time, but the wilderness was not meant to destroy you, but it was meant to kill you. I want to say that one more time. It was not meant to destroy you, but it was meant to kill you. To kill everything that may have contaminated your life that looked like the Egypt that you came out of. Whoa, God is trying to get every, every, everything that's contaminated you from where you come from out of you. Mindsets, uh, personality traits, anything that come from the bondage of your Egypt. God is trying to get it out of your life completely. That you are what we call in the scripture calls a bondservant to Jesus. God's not looking for a casual church. He's looking for a radically sold out church. I'm going to say that again. He's not interested in your casual Christianity that you fit God into the, to the convenience of your life. He's looking for people that live for him all the time, that are sold out, that are not part-time worshipers, that are not committed when things are good, but they are committed regardless of the circumstances or the surroundings that are around them because that's the generation that God is going to use. And you're moving from a season of, of dying to a season of promise. You're about to lay hold of the things that God's laid hold of you for. This church is at the, at the, at the forefront of the promises that you have awaited in the things of God. The promises he has made to you. You're a house full of prophetic promises from God and, and God is about to bring them to pass. And if you can flow in it, I'm telling you that you will be astonished at what God is about to accomplish in Avon, Indiana. What God is about to accomplish in Apostle Paul and Taylor Johnson's life. You're going to be amazed at how God is going to impact our nation through you and the leaders in this house. I need you to hear the word of the Lord today. You are not a local church. You are a global church. But specifically, you have an assignment to this nation. And you have an assignment for this season that's going to empower the body of Christ to become who God has called her to become. Just like what you saw in this altar today as you empower pioneering leaders that are pioneering and planning and running to the forefront of the call of God. You're not just going to do that in Avon. You're going to do that, listen to me, globally. God's going to use you mightily. You're coming into a new season. That doesn't just mean 
living as our Father's house. That means to every one of you individually. When I speak in reference to the church, I'm not speaking to an institution or an organization or a church name. I'm speaking to the people that have joined themselves in that body. Are you with me today? So this word is for you today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, this is the scripture the Lord gave me for for today. He said, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. Now watch this, verse 2. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers. Everybody say, in the cloud and in the sea. And the Bible said, as followers of Moses, and all of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank from the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Do you realize that it is possible for you to be going through the motions of Christianity and God not be pleased with you. I need you to hear me. It is possible. This is not old covenant. This is new covenant. This is written as an example to those living under the blood covenant. He said that many of them followed that cloud and they they drank from that spiritual rock. They ate from that spiritual manna which was Christ. But yet the Bible said with most of them God was not pleased. We are living in a culture that has taught us that if we claim the name of Jesus that God's okay with us but the fact is I don't care how much you confess Jesus just because you confess him doesn't mean you're right with him the Bible said not everyone who says unto me Lord Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven but those that do the will of my father my Bible tells me that we're to flee from sin in every form or shape even the very appearance of evil we are to flee from it and hate it but yet we're living in a culture that is teaching us we need to find justification for every kind of act of disobedience and we've made it as if it's okay but you you understand these people are not going to survive this hour that we're living in. I need you to hear me church. Those that don't have oil are not going to survive and there is a great separation happening even right now across the body of Christ from those that have oil and those that don't have oil. You are going to be able to tell the difference between somebody who confesses Jesus versus somebody who actually walks with Jesus. You're going to know the difference between the counterfeits. You're going to know the difference between the wheat and the tares because wheat bears fruit and tares don't. Are you hearing me? We're coming into that season. And, and I believe that the wilderness experiences and the, and the battles of the baptism and the death that the children of Israel went through simply did this. It gave them opportunity to do one or two things. They gave them the opportunity to die to self. It gave them the opportunity to die to Egypt and all of the stuff that they brought out of Egypt with them. It was a season of purifying 
It was a season of transformation and development that would equip them for the promised land that they were coming into. And those that failed to allow God to change them died physically in the wilderness. But how many of you know that God is the author and the finisher of our faith? He that begunneth a good work will perform it unto the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the very ones that the, that the children of Israel prophesied would die in the wilderness as a result of their own hardness of heart were the very ones that God used to bring into the promise. And I believe that, that you need to hear this today because if we're willing to die to ourself in the wilderness experiences that we have been enduring, and I believe you've been in that season. Some of you have been through the greatest battles you've ever gone through in your life. Some of you have fought hell. You've fought demonic spirits. You, uh, spirits. you have fought every kind of issue of conflict. And some of you have even said in your life, how much more do I have to endure? Because it wasn't like a a week or two weeks. It's been years for some of you that you seem to get one breakthrough and then go right back into the fire. And I just, listen, I'm speaking prophetically to the people that have been going through stuff that has been stripping you, literally, that you have felt like, I don't have the strength and the grace to go on. I'm here, but I'm only here because I love God and I trust Him. Physically, I don't feel capable of being here. Mentally, I feel stripped. Spiritually, I felt dry when other other people were getting blessed and other people were experiencing things but yet I was in a deep turmoil and a battle and a warfare in my own heart. I'm talking to people that have been dying over the past several months and years. People that have been going through the wilderness and struggling and pressing in that you've not walked by sight but you've had to walk by faith and you've not done it all perfect but at the end of the day you've gotten up from your struggles. You've gotten up from your failures. You've gotten up from your disappointments you've gotten up from the rejection and you're still standing here today that's who I came to minister to today. I've come to, in, to minister to the people that didn't draw back. You could have quit and you could have waved the white flag and you could have become bitter and hard hearted and you could have went and found an easier pathway but you said no God do what you're going to do because I believe I'm where you've called me to be. I just lay in a little foundation of, of this prophetic word. Let me, let me go on and finish this text real quick. And I'm just going to deliver this word. And then I'm going to minister if that's all right. And the Bible said, and they all drank of the same spiritual water. From, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them. And that rock was was Christ, yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us, so that we would not crave evil things as they did. Say crave evil things. Or worship idols as some of them did, as the scriptures say that the people celebrated with feasting and drinking and indulged in pagan revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor we put Christ to the test as some of them did, then died with the snake bites. Verse 10, and don't grumble. Everybody say, don't grumble. As some of them did, and then they were destroyed by the angel of death. Verse 11, these things happened to them as examples to us. 
They were written down to warn us to live at the end, uh, those of us who live at the end of the age. If you think you are stand, if you're standing strong, be careful that you fall not. Father, I pray, give God, give me grace today, Lord, to speak this word, Father, in the way in which you have revealed it to me for this house, Lord, for the leaders of this house, for the people, God, that are here, that are here by divine assignment. Lord, let them hear the word of the Lord that causes fate to emerge with inside of them. Lord, that will cause them, Father, to be compelled to lay hold of everything that you've laid hold of them for in Jesus name amen and amen the Bible says that they were all literally baptized into the Red Sea at that moment and that baptism was into a baptism of following Moses which was really a time of preparation and I think that many of you in this room have been baptized into a baptism of preparation you've gone through a season where you entered a wilderness time and I need to tell you the purpose of the wilderness according to the the word of God. The Bible says in the book of, of Exodus chapter 7 verse 16 when Moses was talking to Pharaoh he said let my people go. Now you got to watch this very important that they may serve me in the wilderness. It was not about the promised land at that moment. Everybody thinks he broke them out of Egypt to bring them into the promised land but they could not be a promised land without preparation. It's what you got to understand that if you don't go through the process of preparation you will not be able to handle the capacity of the promised land you will get to the promised land and because it, it is seen through the eyes of, of Egypt it's seen through the eyes of a lifestyle of bondage and slavery and carnality when God begins to move spiritually you won't be able to handle it unless God takes you through the transformation process it would be wonderful if we learn learned everything we needed to learn in a study uh, class or in a church service but unfortunately we're not hewn in the church. The church is preparation for the hewning process that takes place outside the gates. When God gets ready to build his temple he hewns those stones outside the gate. What you're getting in here is preparation for what you endure out there. I need to preach life has a way of hewning you. Life has a way of chiseling away things in your life. The challenges that you face are confrontations that reveal things on the inside of you that God desires to change. Because you, listen, you can't, you can't be changed from things you're unwilling to admit are in your life. And it's the fire and it's the challenges and it's the temptation that often reveal the secret things that are hidden within our heart. The selfish ambitions, the selfishness, the things that are wrong, the wrong mentalities, the carnality, the wrong mindsets. When we get under pressure, whatever's inside begins to manifest on the top. That's why it talks about that faith is refined by fire. Because when you get into fire, it begins to draw the dross to the 
rooftop and it's in the wilderness you'll, you'll be confronted with rebellion that with selfish ambitions you'll be confronted with things that are hidden in the secret places of your heart that when you get to the place of prosperity and promise that God has called you to be those things will be the things that destroy you from being able to fully apprehend what God intends for you to apprehend so they had to go through this baptism that would lead them into a place where they would be tried so that they would serve him. Everybody say serve him. That word serve in the Hebrew is abad. That word abad literally means, watch this, it means by implication to serve or to enslave. So it's not just talking about they're coming out to serve him. He's talking about that they would become a slave by choice. Bond servant is the New, ter- uh, the new uh, Testament term terminology that I am a slave to God by choice you understand that they were a slave to Egypt that they served Egypt to the point that they even even though it was difficult they did it by choice because when they had a chance to be free they were always wanting to go back See, nobody made you be a drug addict. Nobody made you do dope. Nobody made you have an affair. Nobody made you fornicate. Can I? Nobody made you be a drunk. Nobody made you drink alcohol. Nobody made you be filled with bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. You chose to make yourself a slave to those things. That they controlled your desires. They controlled how you spent your money. How you spent your time. Your actions your behavior you justified it because you wanted it can I preach in here if we can be slaves to sin how about we become a slave to the Lord how about if we could have served sin with all of our heart to the point that we would give up everything for the almighty dollar that we would sacrifice our children on on the altar of sacrifice for money and careers and for promotions and success if we could do it for covetousness how about let's do it for the Lord how about if we're going to be a bond servant and lose our kids to a dope to a dope addiction and to a needle in our arm or some pills that we can't live without? How about there be a generation of people that are so sold out to God that we're going to live for Him with everything that we are and nobody's going to make us have to do it. Nobody's going to have to coerce us to come to church with the giving away of a car or a television. But I'm radically sold out to live for God. That I don't live holy because I have to live holy. I'm living holy because I want to live holy. Wow. That it becomes the, the, the heartbeat and the desire of who I am. That I'm not looking for loopholes of how to find grace to get away with fleshly behavior. But I'm looking for greater ways for grace to kill my flesh so I can live in a way that honors God. God is looking for a generation of people that are not living with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. He is looking for a sold out generation. He's looking for a people that long to live for Him. So He said, I'm bringing the children of Israel out of the bondage so that they will learn to serve Me. One of the translations here is worship. Everybody say worship. 
And see, that's what I was talking about last night when we talked about people that are not part-time worshipers. But that we're going to worship God no matter the surroundings. No matter whether I have a bunch or whether I have nothing. No matter whether people like me or dislike me. No matter whether I'm rejected or persecuted or ostracized. No matter who hurts me. No matter who fails me, disappoints me. That God, I'm going to worship you the same no matter my surroundings. See, God is trying to develop us that we are not part-time Christians that serve Him based on how we feel or what our circumstances are. We're going to serve Him regardless of whether we understand Him or don't understand Him. We're going to serve Him even like Peter did when he asked Peter and the other disciples after he told them, you must eat my body and drink my blood. And many of them left Him and He turned to His disciples and said, you want to leave too? We've got to be like Peter. No, I'm not leaving because you got the words of eternal life. God, I may not understand you. I may not be able to comprehend what you're doing in my life, but I'm going to serve you anyway. I'm not going to pluck up and run off. I'm not going to go home and throw my feet up in a recliner and drink a Budweiser and watch church on, on YouTube. God needs a generation of people that are going to serve Him relentlessly no matter who hurts their feelings, disappoints them, looks over them, or rejects them. And God is trying to develop us. He's trying to refine us through the baptism of death, through the baptism into the wilderness, that as we follow Him, the cloud by day and the fire by night, He's breaking off everything in us that is self-centered, everything that is uncommitted, everything that is not devoted to Him. Somebody say, I've been in a baptism of death. And the scripture, watch this, said there's several things. Number one, the desire for evil. The thing that God wants to get out of all of us is the desire for evil. That we don't want what is evil. We don't want what dishonors God. God is trying to get it out of our life. Not that we're looking for loopholes to justify it, but that we're looking for reasons to annihilate it out of our life. We're looking for reasons to live more devoted, more holy, more sincere. Guys, we're living in a day where the church has got to hate the spots of sin in our lives and in the church again. Not to the point that we're condemning people, but to the point that we're empowering them with the power of the Holy Spirit to live free from the bondage of sin. Luke, or excuse me, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6 that I'm buried with Christ through baptism into death, raised to walk in the newness of life. It tells us the reason for that is so that I'm free from the incarcerating and enslaving power of sin. I am no longer supposed to serve sin. I'm supposed to serve God in a way that honors Him in every way. I'm supposed to serve Him. If that means I've got to get the wine out of my life, get the wine out of your life. If it means get the unforgiveness out of your life, get the unforgiveness out of your life. Listen, there's a better way to go to bed at night than smoking a doobie. I need to preach it. I know we live in a, we live in a culture and a generation that says more wine and more pot, but I got news for you. They are still sin, will always be sin, and the church needs to get that mess out of their life contrary to what Egypt does. I don't care if they legalize it in Illinois. It's still illegal for me. Not because of law, but because I'm a believer. I don't alter my mind. I'm not going to be drunk on wine. I'm going to be influenced by the Holy Ghost. I can't be influenced by the things of this world. I can't indulge in them. Church, we've got to hate evil again. Yeah. 
and until you come to a place of that you hate it, you're not dead enough. And if you don't let God change you, here's going to be the bottom line. You're going to die and be destroyed in the wilderness instead of die to self and be baptized under the promise. But one way or another, God's going to take a generation into the promised land. With or without you. Wouldn't it be a terrible thing to stand before God one day and to have to let Him show you what He had prepared for you? And to know that you forfeited and missed it. Wow. Can I just share with you a little story? Guys, I'm just an old redneck that was a hardcore sinner from Hickory Flat, Georgia. I wasn't groomed for this. My family wasn't raised in ministry. I didn't grow up in the church pews. I grew up in a, in a family that, that, that were believers by confession but not by conversion. And my idea of Christianity was distorted to the point that the greatest weapon that fought me from Christ was my Christianity. Because it made me think that I was right when I was really wrong. I was an alcoholic, a drug dealer, a gun runner. You understand, I was everything bad that you can ever imagine. And yet, if you would have asked me about my Christianity, I would have told you I was saved. I need to preach in here today, church, because that's where much of our culture and society is. And I need you to understand that God took me out of that lifestyle and he transformed me. And guys, again, without all of the, without all the prepping and the mentorship, the things that God has done in my life since September of 1990 has astonished me. That God has used me to do things that, that people with my kind of training could never possibly do. To build rehab centers and to build churches across the globe and to be able to pioneer and reach people and bring people to Jesus. Yes, somebody who didn't know their multiplication table somebody that the church world said could never be used somebody that was persecuted by the church most of their life yet every day of my life God can take this futile broken vessel and use it to bring people to Jesus and I only told you that to tell you is I don't care where you've been I don't care how dysfunctional you've been I don't care what your past is I don't care what your present conditions is God will take your mess and make it your message and use you for his glory and bring you into the kingdom and use you to change nations. God will use you to change entire regions of the world if you can only give God your yes and allow him to mold you and fashion you and transform you so that he can use you for his glory. Because when you're ready to be used is when you don't need nobody to know you. Oh, I'm going to say that again. When you're ready for God to use you, it's when you don't need nobody to know you. When you don't have any ambitions about being successful or being recognized, but your only desire is to put your head on the pillow at night and know that I did the will of my Father. And God will use your country bumpkin mess of a self and use you for things you never thought imaginable. He'll put you in places with people that you say, what am I doing here? God will use you if you'll just give him your yes. Somebody say yes. yes. I'm gonna, I want to I move through this. The second thing is idols. God is trying to strip you of everything in your life that you had put before God. 
We think of idols as bowing down to a golden Buddha in a, in a, in a, in a Chinese restaurant. No, I'm talking about all the things you put before God. Sometimes those things are people that you put before God because you would disobey the will of God not to offend a person. Listen, we put our careers above the will of God and find justification for doing it. We put things in front of God all the time. Our need for, for, for material success and, and for material prosperity. We put stuff in front of God. But God said, I need you to get rid of every idol. I need you to get, even if your idol is your family, you've got to get rid of that. Not to dispose of your family, but you've got to get them off the preeminent place and put Christ where He belongs. Because really your family's never going to be who God's called your family to be until Jesus is the sole priority and the proprietor of that preeminent place in your life. Are you with me today? So we put things in front of God and God is trying. And, and listen, the greatest idol that most of us have to fight is our own self. I'm going to say it again, our own self. We put ourself and our will and our desires and what we want above what is the will of God. And then we won't, because we're self-centered, please, I'm not being cruel. It's just that we become self-centered. It's got to be my way. I've got to get what I want, my preferences, my desires. And God said, we got to get ourselves off the throne. And we've got to prioritize our lives and make Him the priority of our life. Somebody say, get rid of the idols. And listen, I promise you that, that in the middle of the battle is where your idols begin to manifest. Because in a church service like this, none of you have idols. But tomorrow when the pressure comes on, Tomorrow when the fire comes is where you find out what you really desire. When, when all of a sudden financial calamity strikes. Family conflicts emerge. Children making bad decisions. Are y'all hearing me today? Just all kind of things. You get attacked by your boss. You get laid off from your job. All of a sudden now becomes evil desires. Well, I'm just going to the club. I'm just going to go home and I'm just going to get me a bottle and I'm just going to drink. I got to get my mind. I got to get settled. I got to find some comfort. I got to get some peace. Come on, because you got false dependencies. You're dependent on evil things that are worsening your condition instead of really turning to God, knowing that God is my source to fight my battles. God is my strength to come through my adversities. That God becomes the sole one I see because He is my rock. Dope is not my rock. Come on, gossip is not my rock. Anger is not my rock. I got to flee from what is evil and I got to turn to He that is good. Get rid, of your, get rid of your idols. Number three, tempting God. That means that I'm not satisfied with God anymore. That means I need God in other things. They tempted Him because they got tired of the manna. That's what happened. They got tired of the manna. They said it's not enough. We are loafed with this bread that is tasteless and no good. And they wanted flesh and they wanted meat. And they wanted more. And that's what happens to us. We get disgruntled and dissatisfied. We want more out of God. The manna's not enough. We've got to learn to be content whatsoever state we're in. Because there are seasons of, of, of intense fruitfulness in the kingdom. And there are, there are seasons of being pruned in the kingdom. I'm, I'm going to preach it. There's a time when we have an abundance and there's a time when we have lack. Because the Bible tells us, there, the Bible said I've learned to be content in whatsoever state I am, whether I'm abased or whether I'm abound. 
because there are seasons of sowing and there are seasons of reaping. But i got to learn how to be content with wherever I am and whatever God's giving me without coming to the point to where I feel like I'm disgruntled with God because what God's not doing in my life. Woo! It's amazing how we try to find grace to be angry with God. I'm going to say that again. We try to find grace for being angry with God. Boy, it got quiet. Did I hit a nerve? There's not grace for being angry with God. For being discontent with God. We've got to get that disgruntlement out of our life. That God, you're, you're not enough. I don't understand. God, I trust you. I trust you in the seasons of lack. And I trust you in the seasons of abundancy. Because you can never grow spiritually till you can learn to trust God. Whether you're abased or whether you're abound. And if you're going to tempt God every time you don't like what He's providing and how He's got you where you are. Woo! Come on, somebody say, He sustained me. And you got to be content with the fact that God sustained us. If you look at the prophet Elisha, he sustained him literally from the mouth of a raven. Are y'all hearing me today? That was not a filet mignon. That was not the best of, of meals. It was not mac and cheese on the side. This is out of the mouth of a raven. He sustained him enough just to keep him alive. But somebody ought to be content to say, God, thank you, I'm still alive. I've been through hell, but I'm still alive. I've been through lack, but I'm still here. I've been through the seasons I didn't understand, but thank God I'm still here. Thank God you brought me through it. I thought I was going to lose my mind, but I didn't. I thought I was going to have a nervous breakdown, but I didn't. I thought I'd be divorced, but I'm not. Thank you, God, that you brought me through what you brought me through, and your manna was enough. We've got to learn to not tempt God. Somebody say it's got to die. And last but not least, grumbling. Everybody say grumbling grumbling that comes because we don't get what we want that's the bottom line grumbling because we don't get what we want the way we want it when we want it that I'm complaining I don't like the decisions they're making I don't like how that went I don't like this and I don't like that and here's the problem complaining against God and complaining against God's leadership they murmured against God and they murmured against Moses Moses was simply following a cloud by day how many of you know that you can be in love with your leaders and be thankful for them, grateful for how they fed you, grateful for how they was there for you, grateful for how they've encouraged you, grateful for all the wonderful things, until one day they didn't give you what you wanted. Until one day they disappointed you and did not meet your expectations. Boy, it's got quiet in here. And all of a sudden they went from being the greatest leader and the one who fed you to now I don't get nothing out of nothing they preach. Maybe it's not the anointing. Maybe it's not the word they're preaching. Maybe it's the attitude you have toward them. Because now they disappointed you and you're murmuring. I need to... Uh. And all of a sudden how can you follow into the promised land a leader that you don't trust anymore because they disappointed you. 
you're getting fed is not nearly as much as what they say versus how you receive it. Oh my. Because God can use a donkey to give you the word of the Lord. Y'all need to hear me today. It's more about your perception and your ability to receive than it is their ability to communicate it. It may be the fact you don't think they're anointed anymore. It's not that God took His hand off of them, but maybe it's you took your ear from them. Wow. Why? Because somewhere along the way, you feel God failed you. The leadership failed you. Somebody didn't meet my self-centered pattern of thinking. Somebody said, we got to die. Say it again, we got to die. We got to die to that self. That self, I have to have this now. I have to have this the way I want it. I have to have this. Listen, God promised them the promised land. He promised them He would bring them through the wilderness. He promised them a land that flowed with milk and honey. It was the word of the Lord. And God never changed His mind. Even though they were thirsty. Even though they were hungry. Even though there was obstacles and there were giants in the land. God had made all provision for them to come into the promised land. And I need you to hear me that God has made all provisions for the fulfillment of the prophecies that He has given you in your life and the fulfillment of the promises He has declared over this house and over your family. But you got to believe Him and trust Him when everything looks like it's contrary to the promises that God has made to you. That instead of murmuring you got in the prayer closet and trusted God. And the Bible says that that generation died in the wilderness because they refused to die to these things that they could become the bond service or they could become worshipers in spirit and in truth. Woo! Somebody say, be led by the Spirit, and led by the truth. Are you, are you hearing me? That was the two things that Jesus said He was looking for. Somebody that would worship Him in what? Spirit and in truth. A cloud by day. And a fire by night. And a promise that said, I'm bringing you into a promised land. We got to build our faithfulness and our devotion to God based on the Word of the Lord and based on the faithfulness of the Spirit of God that leads us every day. Even when the Spirit of the Lord leads us in circles. Well, I need to teach just a minute. When the Spirit of the Lord leads us in circles. See, we don't think that because it don't make sense to the carnal mind. But God led them by His Spirit in circles. And while He was leading them in circles, He was hardening the heart of Pharaoh. Not for the purpose of destroying Israel, but for the purpose of destroying Egypt. But because they didn't trust God, ah, and they operated out of sight, they murmured against God. They complained against God. They thought evil things against God. They wanted to make up a God that fit their own ideologies and their own sexual desires. 
Sounds like the culture we live in today. We're just going to make a God that, that, that exalts the spirit of Baal instead of the spirit of God. So we allow perversion, homosexuality, all the, the, the sexual immorality that is being promoted by the spirit of Baal in our nation. And we have embraced it as a church. God forbid we have got to flee this mess. We've got to run from it, church. Are you hearing me? And we've got to quit murmuring when God's leading us in places we don't understand. Places and circumstances that don't make sense because He's got a plan that's bigger than our ability to see what He's doing. Wow. Maybe He's hardening the heart of Pharaoh. Maybe you're being pursued by the enemy because God is about to drown your greatest devil. So God was looking for a generation of people that would obey Him. And because that generation was not there, they died in the wilderness. And as soon as every naysayer, doubter, perverted, whatever you want to call it, person, died, God said, now I'm ready to take them into the promised land. And when He got ready to take them into the promised land, He told Joshua to get the priests together. And he told them to pick up the Ark of the Covenant, which was the representation to you and I today of the manifest presence of God. Say the manifest presence of God. I need you to hear this. God did not choose buildings and addresses to carry the presence of God. God chose priests to carry the presence of God. He never called the, 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 the presence of God to be carried by an institution. He called it to be carried on the shoulders of men and women. Oh, I need to teach in here tonight. You understand something that God called you to shoulder His presence. That's why you can't put Him on a new card. You put Him on a new card and people will start dying. God needs some people that know how to carry the presence of God. People that are sanctified, set apart, that are consecrated for the purpose that God, I am going to carry your presence. Wow. I could preach about the ark, but I don't have time because this is not a sermon. It's a word for this house. So God said he raised up leaders and, and Joshua under new leadership. I need you to hear what I'm telling you. Moses was not a failed leader. Moses was one of the greatest leaders in the Bible. And some people think that he died not receiving the promise, but when on the Mount of Transfiguration, you find Moses standing there that day. Amen. Moses see the, saw the kingdom that he lived and died for. He may have never walked into Canaan, but I promise you, he walked into the promise because he was there at the fulfillment of the Transfiguration. Wow. He was not a failed leader. The problem was he was trying to entrust kingdom matters to peoples whose heart had not been changed. Wow. I need to release this word. Where there have been times and seasons where delegation has failed, it's not been on the leadership. It's been on the hearts of the people that were not faithful with what God delegated to them. 
I need to say something to somebody in this room by the word of the Lord. You are not a failure because people were not faithful with what you entrusted them with. It is not on you. And your inheritance is coming and the fulfillment of your promise is coming. You stand strong in the Lord and don't let the enemy condemn you because there is a generation of sons that are emerging right now that are going to carry the presence of the Lord. There are those that listen, they allowed things to die in the wilderness that they were not destroyed in the wilderness. Woo! There are people that have been willing to be transformed instead of rebellious and be destroyed. And the Bible said that he told those priests to take the presence of God. And he said, I want you to walk into the Jordan. I want you to put your feet in the water, carrying the presence of the Lord. And when they put their feet in the water, the water stood up. My God. And the Bible said they stood and held the ark while the entire nation of Israel entered the promised land. They stood on dry ground. While the entire nation was baptized from the wilderness to the promise. God sent me to Avon, Indiana on a Sunday morning in the middle of November to tell you you're moving from a baptism of death in the wilderness to the baptism of the promise. That God has put leaders in place that their heart is the presence of God. They have determined, God, we will carry your presence because your presence will become a priority over everything else. It's a priority over how people feel about us. It's a priority above what we feel is church growth. It's a priority over what people's opinions are that, God, we're going to honor you. We're going to bless you. And under the leadership of Joshua, there were a team of priest that carried the ark of the presence of God into that Jordan to open the door for a baptism into the fulfillment of the promises of God. And from that moment forward they would never fight as they had fought in the past. The minute that the waters parted there were two kings from the Amorites and the Jebusites and the Bible said that the kings of those people were filled with terror. To the point that they had no fight left in them. Can I tell you that the fights that you will fight in this new season of your life will not be a fight at all because God has already put terror in the hearts of the enemy that will stand against you. <coughs> the first battle that they would fight would be Jericho. They would not fight that battle with spears and swords. They would fight that battle with praise. They would fight that battle with obedience to march around and shout and praise God. They would fight it with the worship leaders instead of fighting it with soldiers. I need to preach in here tonight. Because God's going to cause walls to come down and cities and fortified places to come down because He's gone before you. And the way that you fight will be different than the times you fought in the past. And you're coming into a season where victories will become easy for you. Not because you're special, but because God is powerful. Because God is omnipotent. Because God is faithful to finish what He started. Amen. 
Because I can put my confidence in the word of the Lord that He's spoken over my life, over my church, over my ministry. What God has declared over my leaders. As they entered into that new season and that new covenant, as enemies would continue and cities would continue to emerge, the Bible said God would always go before them. Are you hearing me? And there was never defeat unless there was sin in the camp. Because you'll always have an Achan. You'll always have somebody that feels like they, that they're special. That they can live outside of the word of the Lord. I, I, and as long as the people were in submission to the Lord, their battles were won. And even when one failed, God compensated. Come on, I need to preach. You know why? Because Joshua dealt with Achan. And I'm telling you, God is raising up leadership in this hour for this new season that will not compromise. In times past, our battles have been hard because there's been compromise against sin, compromise against rebellion against God. But God is raising up a generation of leaders that are not going to compromise to give in to sin. They're going to deal with the Achans and they're going to deal with the rebellion. And they're not going to allow it to corrupt the body of Christ because a little leaveneth leaveneth the whole lump. And it's not judgmental Phariseeism. It is truthful love. If I love you, I want you to get sin out of your life. If I love you, I want you to flee from everything that has the capacity to rob you of the promises and the fulfillment of God's will for your life. So my, my word to you is today, we're passing through the waters of baptism, from a baptism of a season of dying, to a season of the promise. Church, you're getting ready to come into a new season when you're about to occupy. Everybody say occupy. You're about to take territory. You're about to seduce cities. Golly, your influence for the kingdom is about to reach places you never thought they would reach. You're about to conquer demons and devils of, of addictions and every kind of perversion and what the world has been exalting that is too powerful to overcome. You're about to tear it down by the power of the Lord. You're about to pull down strongholds and principalities and you're about to take territory because this is the kingdom of God and we are here to take over, not to be conquered. The Bible says you are more than conquerors. Say it with me, we're more than conquerors. We're not here to be defeated, we're here to take over. My God, I'm not here to be the influenced, I'm here to be the influencer. We're the light. That's the darkness. Light, darkness always flees at the manifestation of light. My God, we're about to turn the light on and the devil's going to have to pack up and move. I'm telling you, the devil's going to have to lose territories. Your family's going to be received into the kingdom of God. Your family's going to come. The, the darkness is coming off of them. The addictions is coming off of them. The demonic strongholds are coming off of them. You're moving out of the wilderness and into the promised church. I want you to stand with me all over the house today. Thank you. I'm not sure how many of you in this room I'm not sure how many of you in this room I've been in that wilderness. And you've been in that season of dying. 
And you've been in that season of trial. But I'm telling you, you're coming into a new season. And the first thing that happened when they got on the shores of the promised land, I need you to hear this. This is a word. I can't, I can't finish without giving you this. The Bible said God instructed Joshua to circumcise every male. Everybody say circumcise. That was not a circumcision like you would think. The scripture says that when he was done circumcising the next generation that had just been baptized into the promise, he said, today the Lord has removed all of the shame of your slavery. That you are no longer living under the taintedness of where you came from. Of the mistakes of your yesterday. Of the, the bondages that once held you as a captive. That when you come into the promised land, you're coming in with no shame. You're coming in with no mentality of being in bondage to an evil Pharaoh. Can I, can I preach in here today? Of a failure that messed it up and blew it. You come in with condemnation as a slave uh, to, to sin and a slave to Pharaoh. That means that the mentality of poverty is coming off of you. The shame of never being enough and never having enough. All of the things that were associated with the mentality of a slave at that day is coming off of them through the circumcision that happened in their life that day. So today, when you choose to receive the baptism into the promise, because they walk through the waters, just like they walk through the waters of the Red Sea, they walk through the waters of the Jordan. My God. And everything that had anything to do with Egypt is being washed away. I've lost all of the, the hang-ups. I've lost all of the bondages. I've lost all the self-centeredness. I've lost all the selfishness. I've lost all the idolatry. Everything that needed to die in the wilderness died in the wilderness. And today there's a circumcision of the heart that's happening. Because let me tell you, you can't go into these promises with the mentality of a, pop, a, 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 of a pauper. You say, what do you mean by that, Bishop? Those that died in the wilderness when they got to the promised land, watch this. This is a word for this house. You need to hear me. Because when you talk about God blessing a ministry, it's not that God blessed the house. God blessed the people because they became the blessing. But if your mentality is when God shows you vineyards that it takes two men to carry between their shoulders what it used to take one man to carry between his fingers. And you'll say it's a land that swalloweth up the inhabitants thereof. You'll stand as a murmurer and a complainer when extravagant gifts are given. Uh-oh. When large investments are made in the kingdom. Y'all don't, don't want to hear me preach. It's a poverty mentality of the bondages that we came in and we tried to bring out of Egypt. And God said, you can't bring it into the promise. You can't bring it into this season. 
a promise that God is bringing you into. You've got to have a whole other mentality. If you do, you'll see the giants is too big to conquer. The devils is too big to fight against. But listen, God ain't got a people that are backing up and running in fear. He's not got a people who have a small mindset. He's got a people who have a kingdom mindset. That means they have the mind of the king. And our God owns the cattle of a thousand hills. The earth and the fullness thereof belong to him. He is the name that is above every name. He has all power and all authority over every principality, over every power, over every manner of darkness. There's no demon. There's no devil. There's no spiritual wickedness in any place that can stand against who he is. We've got a new mentality, church. A new mentality. And we're walking in the promises of God that I'm going to be who he called me to be. That I'm going to lay hold of what he laid hold of me for. That God's going to be able to find me in his house, a vessel of honor. In his house, there's two kinds of vessels. There's vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. The vessels of honor, the Bible said he finds them fit for his service. The vessels of dishonor, he cannot use them. I'm going to ask you today, are you walking through your Jordan? Are you being baptized from the baptism of death to the baptism of the promise? That this is my season. This is my time. Leaders in this house, listen to me. This is your season. This is your time. Church, hear me. This is your season. To pass through the waters from death and dying to the season of promise. Does it mean you won't stop dying? No. But it is a season when things are coming to you differently than they've come to you in the past. They're coming because God's gone before you. And things that were difficult last year won't be difficult this year. Things that you exhausted your efforts and resources over that didn't meet your expectation will now without your efforts, but His efforts far exceed your expectation. This is your season of transition. It starts right here with every person. Because see, here's what I've learned about a prophetic word. When a prophetic word comes in contact with a faith-filled heart, something starts leaping. Something starts shaking. Something starts moving. I feel my baby begin to leap on the inside of me. You understand my terminology, right? Because when, when John the Baptist in the womb come in the presence of, of, of King Jesus in the womb, whoo, things start leaping. And when the presence of God comes in contact with the, pre- with, the, with the prophetic word of the Lord, things start moving inside of us. I start getting antsy. I can't sit here. Something's coming. I'm moving. Speaking into the spirit of some people in this room. Without a doubt, I'll not speak to everybody. But there are people in the room, your baby's leaping right now. You're who God sent me to. You're the ones that God sent me here for this day. You're the reason I preached last night and tonight, not because this was your revival awakening weekend. It's because there was a God-ordained moment for this very time that God's getting ready to move you 
from the wilderness to the promise from the baptism of death to the baptism of the promise you're about to transfer God I feel it I feel it church who in this room feels it in your spirit this morning you're like man it's my season I know it I know this is the word of God for my house for my church for my family this is the word of God over my life we're coming into a new season that's you I want you to get out from behind your seat and I want you to join me right down here in this altar we're, we're going to move today we're going to transition right here right now we're going to transition this morning we're going to move by faith from the wilderness to the promise I'm telling you God is taking you through the waters this morning God is taking you through the waters because there are leaders in this room that are standing holding the presence of God and they're standing in the waters and there's a dry land for you to walk across on. My God, you're passing over. You're passing through. It's the end of a season of travail. It's the end of a season of despair and hurt, of struggle. Season of entering into the faithfulness of God. My God, we're ceasing from our labors and we're entering into your labors, Lord. We're, we're ceasing, Father, from our efforts and we're moving into your divine provision, your divine strength, your divine anointing, your divine gifting, God. Everything, God. Divine provisions. I'm laying hold of it. I'm laying hold of it right now, Lord. I'm laying hold of it. God, I'm reaching out my hand, God. I can see the shore on the other side. I can see the promised land. I'm not moved by the giants. I'm not moved by what affected the last generation. I'm not moved by the ones that were destroyed in the wilderness. I'm not clinging to what was in the wilderness. I'm clinging to where we're moving to. Father, everything, all the shame, all the guilt, all the I should have done this and I should have done that. And I wish things would have been different. God today circumcise it out of the life of every man and woman in this room right now God circumcise our hearts God that there is no shame from where we've come from that there's only a heart of gratitude of where we are going right now take away the shame break it off of the people today in Jesus name heard the Holy Spirit say son you're standing in front of a generation of people that they died to the stuff in the wilderness instead of died from it 
You chose to die to it instead of die from it. You chose to let God remove it out of your life. You chose to let God change you. And because of that, this is your day. This is your hour. A baptism into the promise. My God, we're moving through the waters right now. You're transitioning from the old to the new. To the place of trial and preparation. To the time of, of, of inheriting and laying hold of. Bring us in. Bring us in, Lord.